Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Welcome from Crozet United Methodist Church. I'm Sarah, the pastor here, and it is Palm Sunday in the life of the Christian church across the globe, and so we are going to be celebrating that. You can see some of our palms on the altar behind me. We're going to talk about that, uh, but before we get too far in, I want to remind you that if you are watching with children, or you are a child yourself, you're welcome to download the children's activity sheet from our website and have a little extra engagement for children as we are doing this. I've heard from a number of people in our congregation, especially, who are using this time to make it sacred at home. You can have a special place that you set up. You can light a candle. You can eat a special breakfast, as one family shared with me. You're welcome to carve out some time and some space in your home to really kind of make this something powerful and experiential for you, especially as we're going to be celebrating this way for Easter. And so while we will have some surprises here for you, it's appropriate to make sacred space in your home. This is something that we do here. You're looking at sacralized space, and we do this both through colors and uh, the adornment that we have of our, our altar, you're welcome to do the same thing at home and encourage you to do so. We are going to be singing a hymn for you today. There's just a few of us here, and we've got separate microphones, and we're going to be singing. We're going to be singing an Advent hymn, and Advent means coming, uh, second coming especially. And so as we are using Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, which is out of the United Methodist hymnal, uh, hymn number 196, we're going to sing the first verse, which you might recognize, but then we're going to sing two other verses that were written by a clergy person in United Methodist Church, specifically for this time that we find ourselves in in isolation. And so I'm going to read you those verses so that you will understand what we're singing in a few moments. Verse 3 says, In our homes we meet to worship, far away from sacred space. By the Spirit, Christ is with us, making this a holy place. In these days of social distance, we are called to meet apart. Still we pray for one another, hold each other in our heart. If this time indeed is holy, we must keep it truly so. Even in our isolation, God's rich blessings overflow. So we avoid the world's distractions, set our minds on things above. Patience, kindness, goodness, mercy, faith, joy, peace, abiding love. So we are going to invite you to hear this as the few of us who are here uh, gather together and sing this new incarnation of Come Thou Long Expected Jesus with you and for you. Let us find our rest in you. 
Thank you so much. Hopefully that was enjoyable for you. It was good to sing once more with this congregation here of the, how many of us are in here? Six of us? Uh, the six of us who have gathered here. Um, and as is our custom at Crozet United Methodist Church, I do have a little children's time for you. Our scripture sermon uh, today is not on the classical Palm Sunday uh, text, and that's because we find ourselves in a different place, and this text really spoke to me about where we are and the hope that we need, but I don't want us to not talk about Palm Sunday, so I'm going to get my things over here and come back. You'll notice we do have some palms here on the altar because on Palm Sunday we traditionally gather together and wave our palms together. Um, I do have some extra palms that I will um, be sending home with some of those that are here. Uh, and unfortunately, I'm not able to get you palms, but that doesn't mean that you can't make your own. One of the classic Sunday school uh, activities that people do is that they would take a piece of paper and trace their hand and make that into palms. You can color those in green and make your own palms. You can display them in your windows in your house. You can put them on your door. There are lots of things that you can do to still have those palms. I know that here in this church, it's always a big thing to either do our processional or sometimes we recess out into the world with our palms. So you can do a recessional. Just go ahead and do this while we're doing our worship and then you're able to wave your palms as you go or you can just actually wave your palms as you do it to celebrate. And so Palm Sunday is when we remember that Jesus came into the holy city of Jerusalem. It was a triumphant entry. He came in and he did so while riding a donkey. And so I have my plush little donkey here and I have my Jesus. And Jesus asked a couple of his friends, the apostles, to go and go into the town nearby and get a donkey for him to ride. This is part of the Messianic prophecy. And so they did that, and he rode in on the donkey. And as he was approaching the holy city, people saw that he was coming. They already knew about him and about the wonderful miracles that he did. And so they wanted to celebrate and honor his entry. So they were grabbing palm branches down, and they were laying them down on the street. They were waving them in the air as my palm palms out here. Um, and as they continued to do that, um, the other thing that they did was that they took their coats off and laid their coats down. Now, in our current world, a lot of us have more than one coat. Um, not that we need them today here in Crow's Day. It's, it's beautiful. But they would lay their coats down, and as they did that, the chances are when a donkey's walking over your coat, you're not going to get your coat back. Uh, donkeys will go wherever they are. And so you were risking not getting back this vital aspect of your clothing. And it was a sacrifice that they made. So one of the things that our kids received in their Lenten loot bags yesterday was the ability to make a little craft Jesus. And you can actually do a little pullback action. And he will zoom. Actually, I got him to zoom all the way down the altar rail and then um, onto the floor. So you got to be careful with him. But he will do that. And so if you're looking to take it a little further, you can take a page like I did, and I just drew some palms right there. You just do the one big strike up and then kind of do the little hash marks on the sides, and you can make palms. And then I even took coats, and to push it a little further, I colored them, and I labeled them the things that I want to lay down, that I'm willing to turn over, um, things like my fear and my pride and any grudge that I have so that I can lay those aside and be liberated to celebrate a great Easter. So you can make these, and you can spend your day letting your Jesus and your donkey kind of 
zoom over those and have a different Palm Sunday experience. This is not something that we could readily do here in the church, but you can do it in the sacred space that you've established at home. So we commend all of that to you. The other thing that our children received in their bags were their own little Lentosaurus Rex, and I have all three color variations up here. And I'm sure some of you have already noticed that it's both a finger puppet and there's kind of a hollow area in there. And I'm going to do a video this week uh, giving us some fun ideas of how we can use Lentosaurus Rex even moving forward. Um, but all of them are slightly different than my Lentosaurus Rex, of course. Um, but they are some major colors here. So green is the color of ordinary time. So in the summer, you're going to see a lot of green. That's a holy color for us. Blue, of course, is the color of Advent. This is a color that we'll see when we are preparing for Christmas and the birth of our Lord and Savior. And the last color that was kind of exciting here um, is orange. Orange is a holy color for uh, Charlottesville, but it is not a liturgical color. Um, and so the nice thing, though, is that there are accents of gold here. And gold is actually one of the highest holy colors that we have in the liturgical spectrum. And so if we had the ability to do so on Easter and Christmas, all of our paraments, the hangings that you see in the church would turn to gold. And that's very expensive. And so very few Protestant churches have that. But um, if you've got this Lentosaurus Rex, you're ready for Easter. You're ready for a high holy day and any uh, University of Virginia game that's upcoming in the days ahead. So we commend those to you. I'd love to have you post a picture of you with your Lentosaurus Rex, and uh, if he gets a new name, maybe you've named him something else. Um, my son decided to name mine Lenny. I don't know why. He's Lenny the Lentosaurus Rex. Um, so you can definitely give yours a name. Mine's holding up one of the palm branches here. And the last thing that I want to draw your attention to is I love giving you something noisy for Easter. That's awesome. That's fun. Your parents really appreciate it when I do that. And so I've given you a whistle, and you'll notice that your whistle has a cross on it. And the cross is empty. This is not a crucifix, which would have Jesus on the cross. This is an empty cross because on Easter we're celebrating that Jesus came down off the cross and he came out of the tomb. And so I've given you this, and it's not uber loud. Not really, really loud. I have given you really loud things in the past. I did not do that this year. Um, but hopefully, at a time that is appropriate and not uber agitating to your parents, you can get up and you can blow your whistle and you can say your hallelujahs and your hallelujahs that we celebrate that Jesus is resurrected. And so normally today, if we were here in the church, we would be waving our palms and we would be saying a different H word. We would be saying Hosanna. And Hosanna is a really intriguing word in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms, Hosanna actually means help or save me, I pray. And then when the people started using it on Palm Sunday to worship Jesus, and we use it in the church to continue our worship, we use it as a sign of adoration, of joy, and of praise of Jesus. So we've taken a word that means, help me, Lord, and now we celebrate that the Lord has helped us. So you can say your hosannas today as well, and we'll be saying hallelujah next Sunday. So commend all of that to you, and hope that you are continuing to grow and your walk with Jesus at home, even if you're not here for us for children's time and children's worship. And I promise you, we miss you. Look forward to having you back with us when we can. So we are actually going to have a little anthem here. Stephen Geiger is joining us again, and he's going to be singing an anthem for us about Palm Sunday. And without further delay, I'm going to invite Stephen to do that. I'll be singing The Palms by Jean-Baptiste Foray. Thank you. 
O'er all the way green palms and blossoms gay Are strewn this day in festal preparation Where Jesus comes to wipe our tears away E'en now the throng to welcome him prepare Join all and sing his name declare Let every voice resound with joyful acclamation Hosanna Praise be the Lord Bless him who cometh to bring us salvation His word goes forth and peoples by its might once more regain freedom from degradation humanity doth give to each his right while those in darkness find restored the light join all and sing his name declare let every voice resound with joyful acclamation. Hosanna! Praise be the Lord. Bless him who cometh to bring us salvation. Sing and rejoice, O blessed Jerusalem. Of all thy sons, sing the emancipation. Through boundless love, the Christ of Bethlehem brings faith and hope to thee forevermore. Join all and sing. His name declare. Let every voice resound with joyful acclamation. Hosanna! Praise be the Lord. Bless him who cometh to bring us salvation. Thank you so much, Stephen. Before we hear the words today from the prophetic book of Daniel, chapter 6, verses 11 through 23, I want to invite us to take a moment and join together in prayer from wherever we may be. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we have continued to, to endure a situation that is not of our design or our desire. 
And yet our hope is that through this sacrifice that we will be able to preserve life, preserve health, and ultimately come back together with great joy to celebrate our triumph over trial and adversity, that we have continued to be faithful in the midst of tribulation, and that ultimately, Almighty God, that your will will have been done, and that all will be able to gather together in joy and in health to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May this time encourage us and edify us. May it remind us that we are knitted together with something much stronger than bricks and mortar, that instead you have linked us together with your very being, that the movement in the presence of the Holy Spirit is what makes us the body of Christ, and that it is able to travel incredible distances, overcome amazing obstacles, and make us into the means by which we can continue to live out the gospel truth that Christ is risen and that he continues to love us, protect us, and bless us. May it be so, Almighty God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I invite you to hear these words coming from the book of Daniel. The conspirators came and found Daniel praying and seeking mercy before his God. Then they approached the king and said concerning the interdict, O king, did you not sign an interdict that anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions? The king answered, The thing stands fast, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they responded to the king, Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the interdict that you have signed, but he is paying, saying his prayers three times a day. Then the king heard the charge. He was very much distressed. He was determined to save Daniel, and until the sun went down, he made every effort to rescue him. Then the conspirators came to the king and said to him, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no interdict or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king gave the command, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, so that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No food was brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak the king got up and hurried into the den of the lions. When he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel then said to the king, O oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O oh, king. I have done no wrong. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. As we are continuing in our isolation and for some of us quarantine, but definitely in our desire to maintain social distancing, we find that it is an ongoing struggle. And I thought it was very important for us this morning to see that we are not the only ones in the tradition of God-fearers 
that know what it is like to be sequestered, to be isolated, and to be in a state where it was not of their design and not of their desire. And this happens with Daniel. Daniel was a good believer of God. Daniel finds himself in a place of exile during the Babylonian exile, and he is not in his home. He is under the lordship of a kingdom and a monarch who are not Jewish, and they don't understand what it is to be a good Jew or to be a faithful member of the covenant for the Israelites, and he struggles with what it is to live out his faith in a place where his faith is not normative and in some cases not even desired. He ends up choosing to go into his home and three times a day he kneels down and he prays and he establishes this contact with God. Now, if he had been back in his home country, if he was able to, he could go into the temple and be in the presence of God. He would be able to be in the midst of others who were fellow worshipers, but here he is isolated and alone. And so he adapts his religious worship and his practice to be these intimate moments three times a day which is something that all of us can do. All of us can sign up for three times a day in our schedules or in the life of our family or even online. There are places where we can choose three times a day to model what Daniel did. And it's really important because this practice is what sustains Daniel in his time of need. Unfortunately, the background in the story is that at the time, the king has issued an edict. He's kind of been played by some of his lords and advisors who are jealous of Daniel and, and the authority and the power that he has received rising through the ranks in the king's palace. And so they have decided that they are going to get Daniel by his faith that they are going to use his religion against him. And so they have the king sign a law that says that no one can worship anyone else, that for 30 days they, they, ha they can't worship any other god or any other person. And unfortunately, Daniel is too committed in his faith to abide by this. And so he does it privately, but they are watching for Daniel and they find him. And so they come to the king and they say, do you remember that law that you signed, the one that said that no one could worship anyone else? And the king goes, yeah, I remember that. And they said, and that's not revocable, right? You can't change that. He said, no, our law is that the laws are eternal. And so that's when they decide to say, well, Daniel has been breaking your law. And the king finds himself at a loss. He's, he has no power to change the situation, even though he wants to. The text reflects that the king doesn't have any ill will toward Daniel. He doesn't have a problem with Daniel worshiping Daniel's living God, as he refers to it. And yet, unfortunately, all of his political machinations are fruitless. And at the end of the day, Daniel is going to have to go into the lion's den. And the lion's den was meant to kill Daniel. It's a form of capital punishment. It was meant to put him in there and that he would not emerge alive. And very much the story of Daniel has mirroring elements to the story that we're going to be telling throughout Holy Week and the story that we're going to be celebrating on Easter. Daniel goes in and the stone is rolled over and it's sealed with the king's seal and the seal of his lords, as in nobody touched this stone, which is the same thing that happens to Jesus. After he is crucified on, on Good Friday, he goes into the tomb and the stone is rolled over and then Pilate sends guards to guard the tomb so that nobody could go in there and disturb the body. Well, here, an angel's going to play a crucial role as well. In the story of Daniel, God chooses to send a sign to Daniel that Daniel is known, that Daniel is loved, and that God is with Daniel and willing to be at work for Daniel. 
And this comes in the form of an angel. And I love how the text says that the angel shut the lion's mouths so that the lions could not do what lions do, which is eat, consume, and prey upon a weaker animal. Daniel went in there with no weapons. Daniel went in with no real preparation. He had to trust on God entirely. And so we find ourselves in a similar state. Many of us are shut up in our homes, whether those be freestanding homes or apartments or sometimes rooms, and we're shut up in these places and we feel like we are ill-prepared. We feel like everything is out to get us. We can feel both the struggle internally in our hearts and in our minds and our spirits. We can feel it externally as there is fear and anxiety that is palpable in the air and in the midst of our relationships. And yet through all of this, God is saying, I am with you that we are not alone. And in those moments of darkness, can you imagine how dark and terrifying it was in the lion's den to be able to hear the lions, to be able to feel their presence and this ominousness that was just all-consuming. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of this, the peace of God must have descended that he would have known that the angel was there, that the angel, if we could have been there that day, what might we heard the angel say? Well, probably the same thing that most angels say, do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. And so Daniel is the recipient of God's blessing and God's goodness. And mostly that's because God knows who Daniel is. Daniel has continued to use his spiritual practices of prayer and discipline. He has continued to strive to go on to perfection in his relationship with God. And all of that bears fruit when he needs it most. But the good news is that it's never too late to establish that kind of relationship. This is the perfect time for us to take our desire to be faithful servants of Jesus Christ, to be in right relationship with the God who created, redeemed, and sustains us. That this is a time for us to focus on that, to use Daniel as our inspiration. Because just like Daniel and just like Jesus, we are going to emerge from this that would be our tomb. We are not going to stay hidden in our homes. The day will come when we will be free, like Daniel and Jesus, to once more enter into the world. And it's not that we have a big party and call it quits. We come out and we celebrate the triumph, we celebrate the joy, and we get back to work. Because there continue to be people that need to know that this is their God, that this mercy and this forgiveness of the cross is for them. There are people that need to know that the tomb was empty for them. And we are part of that work. We need to be reminding people that Easter is not a national holiday. Easter is a way of life. We are going to celebrate that on, Saturday, on Sunday. We are going to come together in, in surprising ways through the movement of the Holy Spirit, through our online testimony, through our ability to use social media, through the proclamations that fill the air around our homes. There are ways in which we are going to celebrate that holy truth. But Easter is not something that doesn't happen. As one of my colleagues reminded me, every Sunday is a little Easter. And next Sunday is going to be a very big one, but in a different way, a new way. God is doing things differently. I'm wearing my uh, palm pants today. I haven't worn these in a couple years. But I remember the first time I wore them doing children's time, and I had the children up here with me, and I said, today is what? And one of the kids said, Palm Sunday. And I said, that's right. How do you know? And one of the other kids said, because you're wearing palm pants. And that was true. Yes, good job. They were looking at my pants, and they recognized that there were palms there. And then I remember asking the kids, I said, so if I wasn't wearing palm pants, would it be Palm Sunday? And one of the kids said, no. 
as if my pants are setting the liturgical calendar. However, what I got from that was the kids are paying attention, not just the little kids, all the kids, the children of God are paying attention, and they're looking for us to remind them, today is Palm Sunday. Today is the day that we are entering into a holy week, a very holy time. And for some of us, this is a time of great joy and celebration. For some of us, this is a very difficult, introspective and spiritual time. And both of those are okay. Both of those are appropriate. And for some of us, this week is filled with so much scary thought and feeling in scripture that we don't even want to touch it. But this is a new day. And so if you have not been one of those people who enter into Holy Week worship services, if you don't celebrate Holy Thursday or Monday Thursday, which is when the church celebrates when Jesus transforms Passover into Holy Communion, or when Jesus most graciously and selflessly served his apostles by bathing their feet when we celebrate Monday Thursday, or if you don't tend to celebrate Good Friday because it is scary to look up at the cross and to remember that our sins made that necessary, then this is a time for us to wade into the deeper waters. This is a time for us to say, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. This church and churches all over the world are going to be putting it out there in a safe way for us to encounter Holy Week. You can do it from the comfort of your home. You can do it from the sanctity of a private space. If you have an emotional reaction, there's nobody there to look at you or to make you feel uncomfortable. This is an opportunity for you to go somewhere that you may never have gone before. One of the things that I've always said about Holy Week is that there's all this joy and this excitement on Palm Sunday. We're all just aching to wave our palms and to sing the hosannas. But then come Good Friday the day when the church remembers that Jesus died for us, that Jesus took our sin and our death upon himself so that we would never have to do that. He's alone and abandoned. He was in the text, and he often is in our worship services. But this year, he doesn't have to go alone. This year, we can all go with him, and we can be there so that he doesn't feel alone in the midst of our sin and in the separation that it brings, that he doesn't feel abandoned, that this year, when he looks down from on high, Jesus sees that we have all gathered to be with him and to celebrate that even though it is difficult and it is scary and it is hard, that it is for us. And we are grateful and we appreciate what God has done and what God is still doing for us. So the hope and the prayer is that this will be the entrance into a new Holy Week experience for all of us. And we're going to be doing it from some tombs of isolation. We're going to be doing it from some lion's dens. We're going to be doing it from places in the wilderness that we never thought we would be. But we aren't doing it alone. We are not alone. We are together in surprising ways. We are together when we choose to remember and to pray and to be united by our gifts and our graces that still continue. There is no quarantine that can stop Jesus Christ. There is no isolation that can end the Holy Spirit. We are still together, and we are working and moving towards a time when we will be together again. It has been years since I have gone this long without corporate worship. I mean, it's probably been May of 2008 after I graduated seminary that I have gone more than a week without being in corporate worship, and I still held personal worship because that's the burden that happens when you're the pastor. 
But today is also another hard day because a lot of you recognize that today is the first Sunday in April. And this is a Sunday when we, we would be experiencing Holy Communion. And a lot of us, a lot of us feel this gaping hole in our worship life because we yearn for communion. And we yearn for it in different ways. Not all of us are able to conceptualize and verbalize just exactly what it is that we're missing right now. But a lot of us are, are trying to figure out how can we do it? How can we make it happen? And the truth is that we can't, that we can't. I would love nothing more than to be able to send you home with, with communion loot bags filled with, with the bread and the elements and the ability to do it. But communion is more than eating. Communion has vital pieces in it. The ability to forgive one another. The most holy time of my month is when I stand up here and I say to the congregation, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And they immediately turn right back around and say to me, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. It's a moment when we experience justifying grace. It's about living in community. In the traditional worship service we often use from the liturgy of service of word and table, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Communion is about community. It is about being together in the body of Christ. It is about taking these elements that remind us of Christ's sacrifice for us, letting them become part of who we are, and letting all of us become part of the body of Christ, the church in his name. It's about a transformation. It's not just about a magical artifact that makes us feel better about ourselves. It's not about something that just brings us comfort. It's about transformation because grace doesn't just help us. It fixes us. It transforms us. It makes us new and better and joyful and free. And we yearn for that. Trust me, I yearn for that. But here is the difference. When we come back together and we have the opportunity to take communion together for the first time in too long, think about how good that grace is going to taste. Think about what it will mean to really turn to one another and pass the peace of Christ. Think about how incredible that moment will be because we know what it is to walk through the wilderness of not having that sacrament. The United Methodist Church exists because an Anglican priest by the name of John Wesley didn't want people to experience this. He looked out at the revolting colonies over in America and he said, all of the Anglican priests are fleeing and those people need to be able to receive communion. And out of that great response came his willingness to lay hands upon and ordain Francis Asbury and Thomas Koch. And Methodism has been unstoppable ever since. So we know that from the desire to experience communion, can come world-changing events. And for some of us, the world-changing event is that we make a vow to ourselves and to our God that we will never go this long again, being separated, that we will renew our connection, our desire to live in a holy community, our desire to be with God at every opportunity in God's home, a place of prayer and reconciliation and exceeding joy. For many of us, this is a time for us to reset or to rediscover what our relationship with God really means. And yes, there's a lot of mourning and sadness right now, 
there's a lot of people that wish that they could fill themselves up with those tangible signs of that inward grace. And there are many of us that are mourning, not just the fact that we are entering into a time when we will remember the great sacrifice of our Messiah, but that we can't celebrate it as we desire, as we have been. But that day will come. The people of Israel didn't wander forever. They entered into the promised land. And the exiles in Babylon didn't stay there. They came back to the promised land. And we who are in isolation right now are coming back to our promised land. But we have to get ready. It's a long journey. And it means that we have to have the fortitude and the patience and the kindness, the goodwill and the faith to make this journey and all come back together in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May this Palm Sunday be about the anticipation and the celebration that will happen when we gather back together. We're not just celebrating the fact that, hey, some people got on the side of the road and waved some palms and threw some coats down and got to see a guy on a donkey. We are remembering that for all of the world, this is a moment when things will change. People went into their homes as latent Christians. We're going to come back into the world devoted and desirous to show the world what discipleship really means. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. This is the time in the life of our worship when we would be encouraging our people to prepare to honor God with their tithes and their offerings, and so we certainly encourage you to do that. Once again, we have a threefold, we worship the Trinity, so a threefold way of looking to see what we can do right now, and that is to pray, to give, and to share. So we encourage you to be praying. I encourage you, I even challenge you to pick three times a day when you're going to pray. You know, and it's possible to pray, and this is not always a Methodist thing, you can pray on the phone with people, you can video chat prayer, you can choose, hey, we're going to get together on this time every day, and we're going to pray together, we're going to do it over the phone, we're going to do it through text message, whatever you want to do, get creative with your Christianity. You can also sign up on our prayer list on our website. You can sign up to receive some of those prayers and be in prayer for other people. There's nothing better than using the power of prayer selflessly for other people and recognizing that we're all in this together. Of course you can give, because as we've said, the life of the church does go on. It was such a blessing yesterday to be able to take these Lenten loot bags and give them out to people. If you didn't get one, there's still some out in the plastic bin in front of the church. If you go down the stairwell to the office suite, they're there. You can still come by and get them. It's not too late. And there's still some in the basket outside on my front porch of the parsonage. So you're welcome to come get those. Commend those to you. And they're open to children of all ages. They're not just for... Uh, little kids. Big kids can have them too. And I have extra Lentosaurus Rexes that I will have available for you when we can come back into worship together. You can get one. It's never too late. I know I, I loved it yesterday. There were adults that drove through and were like, can I just get the little? Of course you can. Absolutely. The work continues. We're still planning for vacation Bible camp. A number of families drove through yesterday and were like, you're still going to do it, right? Absolutely. We're going to do it. Whether it's in June or July or August or September, we're still going to do it because when we can finally come back together, parents are going to need for us to joyfully take their children and show them some excitement and some love for Jesus. So the ministries continue. We are still planning and working for you and with you. 
And of course, the last is to share. This is an incredible opportunity. Evangelism has never been so easy in some ways. You can click and write, hey, this really touched me, or I love how this is going, and you can share it with other people. Thank you so much to all of you who have been a part of that, helping us to stay connected and to spread some hope and some joy. And in last week's case, to be really authentic and honest about the difficulty of this time. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. It is hard. But I assure you that one of the most beautiful things about living together in community is that we can be honest and have integrity with that and that people receive and they respond. So thank you so much for being a part of that and encourage all of that to you. This week, I'm going to have some videos for the kids to engage with their bags. We'll have some more videos. We're working on devotional videos for all of you. Thank you so much to everyone who continues to be connected and to a part. It really does mean something to be a part of the body of Christ here in Crozet. And I'm learning that Crozet is rapidly expanding into the world. So all of you, no matter where you are, you're part of our family here. Thank you so much for being a part of us and being with us in new and powerful ways. And I commend you with this blessing. May your day be filled with signs that Christ came not just that one day into Jerusalem, but comes every day to us in our time of need and our desire to know the living God. May you experience incredible blessings that bring you to your knees in prayers of gratitude. And may you find that with the help and the grace of Jesus Christ, you can rise once more and stand tall before your God and enter out into the world with joy and celebration. May our time together continue in new and profound ways, and may we all come back together with great joy to celebrate in God's home wherever we may be. Go forth in peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one now and forever. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.